one with the Force. They are. And our job it is to remember that we will, in time, also pass on. Luminous beings are we, but temporary vessels our bodies are. And we shall all find ourselves here, in time. A moment of silence, I ask. To remember. And to move on. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Pucho and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, Ahsoka finds herself being accused of murder when the saboteur mysteriously dies while being questioned. Now on the run and being chased by Anakin and the clones, she decides to forgo, trusting the very system accusing her of this terrible crime and prove her innocence on her own. Hey, troops, it's your old buddy Bucho, a Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars next to me in the dropship. He's a Clone Wars veteran on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars. He's the Anakin to my Ahsoka. It's your trusty power, Robbie. Hello, everyone. And we are going to talk about the 106th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology, written by Charles Murray, directed by Danny Keller. It's Season 5, Episode 18, The Jedi Who Knew Too Much. So, Robbie, how about we roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about The Jedi Who Knew Too Much, an episode featuring a splash or two of that good old Hitchcocky and paranoia on Ahsoka's part before you rewatched it again this week. The plot thickens. It's kind of weird, you know, watching this again, which may be kind of not really answering the question, but it's interesting because the previous episode ends in a way that it could have almost been a standalone. Yeah. But then, you know, when you watch this one, this one continues the story. And I mean, this is where everything starts to happen. You know, this is where this arc is really kicking in and what this arc is about. And for me, I mean, that was the thing that I was remembering getting ready for this episode, sitting down to watch it. It was like, yep, this is where it all goes down and Ahsoka has to go on the run. You know, as, as much as I dislike seeing anything bad happen to my, you know, one of my favorite characters, it's still so much fun. It's such a fun episode to watch her try to get away. <laughs> it's so fun. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, uh, God, it's such a good episode. Like you said, it does pick up pretty much straight after the last episode, and it opens with Master Yoda giving a eulogy for the Jedi who were killed during last episode's bomb attack, reminding those assembled that luminous beings are we, but temporary vessels our bodies are. And then Master Yoda asks for a moment of silence. And you know what that means? That means it's time for Snips to talk. Yeah. She takes that as a sign that she should talk. It's such a Snips thing to do. And she talks to her friend Barris. And that's when Barris tells Ahsoka that one of the fallen was the Jedi who had taught Barris how to hold her lightsaber correctly, which is a nice, simple, touching moment in which the story connects the characters we know in the form of Barris to those who were killed. So they're not just faceless or even nameless Jedi anymore. You know, there's a connection there that it, this means a little bit more to a character we've met before. And that also seems to help fire Ahsoka up so much that when she finds out from Tuck and that letter is now in the custody of the Republic rather than the Jedi, Ahsoka blows up, excellent pun intended, and declares that if Leta is guilty, she should be dealt with. And she's super fired up here, which of course prompts Anakin to gently remind Ahsoka that revenge is not the Jedi way. 
So how did you like this opening scene up to this hallway scene where Ahsoka is fired up and Anakin is the one telling her to be a little bit chill about it, be a little bit Jedi about it? Yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's sort of a little bit the crux of the episode. You know, it's like at this point in the Clone Wars story in this, I mean, Star Wars in general, the whole overarching plot here, the military is starting to take over for the Jedi. You know what I mean? Because the whole point was that the, you know, the point of the Jedi being the generals in this war was because the military wasn't as strong as it, quote unquote, needed to be. And now we're seeing that military take over, especially, I mean, and it's kind of personified in Tarkin. Tarkin is basically the figurehead for the military being what it is now. And that is strong that is, you know, it is their way or the highway kind of thing. And Tarkin is, well, he's he's that guy. And it's just fun to see that because, you know, you get, you get Ahsoka getting fired up, like you said. And then you see Anakin basically kind of going against everything that we know yeah. that Anakin will do yeah. <laughs> coming up. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a lot of fun. And, and we're seeing kind of the puzzle pieces fall into place here. Yeah, and I like how Tarkin and Anakin still seem quite chummy. It picks up from the Citadel arc when they, you know, found they had a few things in common and here they seem like they're of a similar mind and they don't disagree on anything. And there's a moment when Anakin tells Tarkin after Ahsoka heads off with Barriss, she's still so young in so many ways, or words to that effect. But the next thing, of course, is we see Barriss and Ahsoka walking in Ahsoka confessing to Barris that when it comes to that old Jedi chestnut, that challenge of dealing with feelings in a way which avoids developing attachments, Ahsoka admits she's been struggling, and Barris kind of admits the same thing. You know, they had always apparently, when I say they, the others, others had apparently seen Ahsoka as someone who was real good at dealing with that stuff. And then Ahsoka says something like, well, I guess I've got you fooled as well, because, you know, for her, she doesn't feel like she has it under control. She feels like she's struggling with that at all times. And then, of course, with all of her fury at Letta, Letta herself calls for Ahsoka. And so we get this cool scene of Ahsoka flying to the prison, that awesome sweeping shot that sort of establishes the prison, an amazing looking location from the outside. And then Ahsoka goes in and then this horrifying scene of Ahsoka apparently force choking Letta to death. And of course we know that's not what's happening, but you can see with the way that she is reaching up with her hands that <laughs> there is going to be security camera footage. Even before you see that scene later when Tarkin brings it in, you can feel the setup happening. And the thing I'm wondering in that moment and that I still don't know by the end of the episode is well, obviously Ahsoka's not doing this. Who is? And where are they? How far away do you have to be from someone to force choke them? All of these questions that came up that I'm going to have to wait for the next episode to, I guess, to get the answers to. But how did you like, I mean, how do you like this prison, Rob? This prison is an amazing, amazingly foreboding, ominous, atmospheric place. And how do you like this scene with Letta and Ahsoka in the cell, which unfortunately spells the end for Letta? Well, it's actually, it's funny because I put the same note down that it was a prison. This is actually the military compound. This is kind of like Tarkin's stronghold. Oh. This is his base. So the prison is just one part of it. Okay. So yeah, I, I mean, I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, this is such an impressive... <laughs> it's, like, it's like, we're really trying to make a statement here in the front of this prison, but it's actually the military compound. The big 
orange or dirt colored big thing that she's running on at the end, you know, trying to get away. Yeah. That's that big wall looks like a memorial wall. Or yeah. Something. It's Geonosis rock. And it's a battle of Geonosis memorial that she's running on top of. Yeah. That wall is awesome because everything else in the prison is grays and blacks yep. or white lights. And, you know, there are reds in there which all feels very very imperial yeah but that wall is like some sort of warm and i guess i know what it is now i had a note about saying that it had this golden kind of bronzy warm hue to it that really makes it stand out and it's really a beautiful feature and part of what makes this whole prison i keep calling it a prison this whole complex feel so i don't know even the word for it it's so wonderfully realized the way that the I guess the prison area, I guess we could say, because I thought it was just a prison, but it turns out it's not. But the prison area is so well realized, too. You know, it's it, it feels like a prison, you know, but in, in this sci-fi Star Wars world and then, you know, with Letta, like I said, I knew it was coming this time. So I'm sitting here and I'm just kind of taking in details and, and just kind of trying to pick up on things that I wasn't maybe privy to the first couple of times. And it's just really, really well done. And this really kind of puts Ahsoka in that bind. And you can see how it how it can be misconstrued as her doing it. And you can see the effect that it's having on Ahsoka because just when you thought you couldn't despise Tarkin more, he comes into Ahsoka's cell and he acts all Tarkin-y at her, which is upsetting enough. But then we see Anakin livid with frustration that the guards won't let him see Ahsoka. And man, is that scene tense. It's almost as if, I mean, this is not what's happening, but it feels almost like he's vibrating with rage that this frustration that's boiling in him. And you really fear for those clone trooper guards when Anakin is fuming like that, especially since when they come in and find Ahsoka, I think it's Commander Fox, the main warden's name is. He says, well, I understand what you did, Commander, but, you know, protocol's protocol. We have to take you in. Now, it's almost like they are happy that she did what she did, but they have to take her in. And partly that makes me kind of root for them because they're kind of on Ahsoka's side and they just have to follow protocol and keep her locked up like that. So how did you like Anakin? I mean, you knew what was going to happen in that scene. I didn't know. And... I guess after the scene ends, it makes sense that he acted like he did, and it's what I should have expected from Anakin at this point, but just for a second, I was afraid those clone trooper guards were about to get, were about to have a bad day. Right, and and it's, again, since I couldn't remember exactly how, it's kind of like I remembered the larger parts of the episode. I didn't remember Anakin coming to the prison area at that point, but what I was focusing on is, because I knew that Anakin wasn't going to let her out or anything like that, he wasn't going to talk to her, I knew that she was going to be basically released, you know, kind of led down a, a path of breadcrumbs to basically frame her even more. So for me, I was really focusing on Anakin's facial animations, and it was just like, man, they've gotten so much better. There's something about the way that he's frustrated, he's angry, but he's restrained. You know, it's so well done. Just everything about that scene, everything about this episode, it almost feels like a lot of it is, this is a culmination. And you could probably say that about any show, any animation project, any movie, whatever, that everything that they've learned has gotten them to this point. But it feels like this is one of those episodes that just pulls out all the stops. And they've got every bit of prowess that they, you know, everything that they've learned and their techniques and their, the way that things are framed, the way that, you know, hey, let's have things go and happen in the rain. It's just, you have to really be impressed at the, I guess, the, the prowess of, of this episode. You know what I mean? The, it's just beautiful stuff. It's really, really a joy to watch. 
Well, someone has left Ahsoka a keycard, and she assumes it was her master, but we have seen that Anakin couldn't get near herself, so the plot is thickening in terms of wondering who was actually behind all this. Who was it that choked Letta? Who was it that left this keycard there? Because we have seen that Anakin didn't get anywhere near herself. And so Ahsoka emerges from her cell to discover that someone has laid out a whole bunch of guards, and Ahsoka's thinking, probably still at that point, that it was Anakin because I don't if I remember rightly at this point these guards are not dead dead it looks like they've just been knocked out and Soka's thinking oh no what has my master done now <laughs> and before she can work out what's happening she's on the run in a typically thrilling foot chase scene I mean this show has been so good at doing chases and this one is through the prison and along the way she sees some other sites that are more gruesome in particular she sees more fallen clone guards with what appear to be fresh lightsaber slashes through them and at this point it's unclear whether she still thinks it's Anakin I assume at this point she's thinking wait a minute this wouldn't be Anakin or is she I don't know it's unclear and that's part of what makes it so intriguing is there a point at which she realizes that it's not her master and which is that point I'm not 100% sure but you would assume by this point seeing these clones that have been slashed up she would be thinking wait this wasn't my master who did this someone else is behind this because you know by the end of the episode, she has figured out that someone else is trying to set her up. So I'm not sure exactly the moment that it clicks for her, but shortly after Ahsoka's moved on, Commander Fox stumbles across the same scene, and Commander Fox makes the call for Ahsoka to be stopped by any means necessary, so it's getting real hairy for our favorite little Padawan here, Robbie. Yeah, and I think that's the point that she figures it out, is when she sees clones with lightsaber wounds. I mean, look, I don't know exactly, but for me, when Leta says that, you know, a Jedi came to her and told her this stuff, and she's about to say the name, I think she's got to, at that point, realize that, okay, this person is setting her up, and now she's setting... This person is setting me up, too. It's so much fun to see it all play out like this, you know? And to see her trying to work things out with this kind of episode it doesn't give ahsoka time to really sit down and think out her thoughts to us the audience but the way things are playing out it's just uh it's fun stuff well of course the way that things are playing out is that that is when anakin arrives and he calls out to ahsoka to stop running but ahsoka won't stop because ahsoka is certain that nobody else will believe her apart from anakin and so she bolts and that means anakin has to tell rex to send out the alert and that's when we hear rex say as part of his message She's killed three clones. So even though Anakin doesn't believe that she's killed three clones, Rex puts out this message that she's killed three clones. And man, does that hit kind of hard, Robbie? Because there are layers to how kind of hard that hits. And those layers reach all the way back to the Clone Wars theatrical release. And after the Battle of Christophsis. Remember that, Robbie? It seems like a million yeah. years ago. The Battle of Christophsis and the theatrical release. Anakin and Ahsoka board Rex's dropship after that battle, Ahsoka's first battle, and Rex told Anakin, Great job, General Skywalker. And then Rex looked down at little Ahsoka, who had just survived her first ever mission, and Rex told her, You too, kid. And we saw how much it meant to Ahsoka to have Rex's approval, to have Rex, you know, look like he's going to have her back too. And we've seen how, over the course of this five-season story, that Captain Rex has always had Ahsoka's back. And in this particular moment, I assume that Rex believes that Ahsoka is innocent, just like Anakin does. But Rex has to be professional. Rex has to put out that call as if Ahsoka really did take down some of Rex's clone trooper brothers. Yeah, I mean, the drama here is ratcheting up to the point where it's just like, ah, man, I just, this arc is so much fun to watch, knowing where it goes. 
and seeing all of the pieces fall into place so effortlessly, you know? I mean, it's one of those where I almost feel like, I mean, not just animation-wise, but storytelling-wise, it's really hitting. Because of all of these episodes we've watched, things like that hit, and they hit pretty hard. I mean, this is what you want, right? This is what Star Wars is about. It's kind of like what we've talked about before, about like fan service and things like that. You know, to me, this is fan service at its best because it's making you think about all of that stuff. It's reminding you of things that have happened before. And that's good fan service. That's good stuff. It's using it in storytelling to kind of further the current story. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't even think of that sort of thing as fan service. I think fan service is when it's, for example, that Rogue One moment when Dr. Evazan and Pondo Barber turn up, it has no effect on the story. But storytelling, even if you're making a brand new story, you know, if you're making, a, if you're writing a story, you have setups and payoffs. That's just part of storytelling. And so often things that are payoffs get thrown in as fan service because they call back to a moment that's happened earlier in a story. No, that's just storytelling. No, I, I get it. You know what I mean? I get what you're I mean, saying. You know this. And this isn't, this isn't fan service to that extent is what I'm saying. is I'm just saying that this is the kind of, if this were, uh, it's, a, it's a bad example because <laughs> it's not sure. really fan service. No, I mean, I know we both agree on this thing, but I know what you're trying to say. I just want to make it clear right. to the audience there. I mean, Robbie knows how to write and he understands storytelling. It just sounded like you were painting this as fan service. I mean, to me, this is just storytelling. This is how storytelling works. Well, see, the weird thing about it, though, is that it almost feels... Because as I was watching it, it almost felt arbitrary to me to have Rex make that call. Right. Is what I'm trying to say. It almost feels like Rex hasn't been in the entire episode before or after. Sure. He's only in it for this moment. So it almost feels like he's there to make this call. Right. And so in in other words, to me, in a way, it's sort of, it's not fan service in your typical, you know, whatever. I mean, just whatever kind of fan service moment that you're talking about. But to me, it almost feels like it was intentional to have Rex make that call. Sure. And in that respect, it feels almost like fan service, even though it's really just storytelling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, and even though it makes complete sense, because why wouldn't Rex be at Anakin's side? You know, that's right. Anakin's main man. Why wouldn't he be there? Right. I mean, that, <laughs> I get what it's you're saying. It's just fun stuff. It's just fun stuff. We'll get caught up in semantics, I guess, if we go any deeper into it. And you know, well, I think we're on the same page with it, and we're also on the same page as we already mentioned about this military facility, especially the exterior. And this is where we see Ahsoka's epic escape chase continuing. And this set is so ludicrously, awesomely realized the scale is hugely impressive it feels like a massive facility as we saw in that aforementioned early sweeping establishing shot as ahsoka lands in a ship and it's when she's on the run that we get a real sense of that scale the way the whole thing is lit by those ground lights beaming vertically up into the sky you know that's projection of power and it gives the whole facility this sense of intimidating power basically but it's also oddly beautiful there's it's all mostly grays and blacks and reds and there's this giant obelisk that Ahsoka climbs at one point and it's surrounded on all four sides by statues of clone troopers standing at attention. There's just all these details that have gone into the construction of this place just in terms of a world building, a piece of world building that just pops so well and as Ahsoka continues her escape of course that's when she runs along the top of that huge monument, that huge wall which is built out of those bronzy gold-hued Geonosis rocks and that's not all Robbie because it's not only the prison that looks spectacular as poor little Ahsoka runs for it, we also get to see a bunch of those classic old purpley blue stun blast rings flying through the Coruscant night air at our favorite young Padawan as she runs from the prison and along that viaduct. 
And as Ahsoka runs, the score from Kuvent kind of delivers a bunch of nice runs of Ahsoka's theme, which we usually hear in pretty string arrangements in other episodes. But here, as Ahsoka runs, we get it in what I like to call action brass. So this, uh, I mean, this whole episode is firing on all cylinders. The prison is awesome. We get to see the stun rings that we haven't seen for ages. And it's like, I mean, we haven't seen stun rings like this before. You know, in most stories, we see maybe two or three fly out. In this one, it's like a full-on firefight with stun rings. So, I, mean, I didn't even know how I'm leading into. Robbie, just talk about this stuff. Does it ever make sense what I've just said? I'm just blathering. Well, yeah. That's how much I love this episode. Yeah, it's kind of what I was talking about earlier is that the animation is just it's firing on all cylinders i love the way that ahsoka is sitting on top of that clone statue like freaking batman uh <laughs> yeah. i was thinking spider-man but i get what you're saying the way she sort of crouched yeah. on it that was real yeah. spider-man-y to me yeah well yeah there you go yeah it's eh, spider-man's probably a better thing but, but it feels like gotham so you'd think batman because the whole like facility yeah. feels so sort of gotham-y right and the lightning yeah the rain and the lightning and sure. the, uh and then you know I love that the gunships have searchlights on them, like like yeah. helicopters. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. It's like I love everything about this. And it's, you know, it's a weird thing, especially at this point, because, you know, storytelling-wise, you don't want to see Ahsoka in trouble. But I'm just enjoying the ride this time. And it's so gorgeous, the job that they did on this episode. It's so good. I mean, just little symbol things. You know, when she gets into the sewer... And she trips and falls in the way that the water looks when she falls. Yeah. I mean, it's they've done just an amazing job with this episode. And, and it's like, ugh, love it. And of course, what you're talking about is that the guards finally corner Ahsoka, but she leaps free again. And this time she cuts her way into that stormwater pipe system. And of course, the chase isn't over there. They're following her. But eventually, she loses all of the pursuing clone guards. But she doesn't lose Anakin. And that's when we get the tribute to The Fugitive, the movie The Fugitive from the early 90s, and that's when Ahsoka tells Anakin that she can't come back yet. As much as Anakin is pleading with her to come back and to trust him, Ahsoka says, Master, now it's time for you to trust me, and then Ahsoka jumps. She takes that leap into the underground, and her master Anakin and her friend Captain Rex can only watch her go. Or could they? Could, here's a question, could Anakin have actually followed her in that moment and is he actually making the choice to do as she asks and to trust her and to let her go because i mean anakin is we know how amazing anakin is how athletic how strong with the force he is he could have run to the end of that drain pipe in three seconds and followed her down i think he chose to let her go yep is that how you read it and i think that's what it is is i think he's starting to listen to her and say that there's nobody there's no way anyone else would believe me you know, I've got to try to work this out on my own. It's beautiful stuff, you know? And it calls back to the theatrical release because Master Yoda says the challenge for Anakin is going to be that at some point, he's going to have to let her go. Yep. And that, here it calls back to that moment. And it's not the exact thing that Yoda's talking about because it's not the type of letting her go, I think, that Yoda was talking about, but it still works, you know? It still fits in with that moment. I mean, this is, does that make sense? No, absolutely. I thought of that moment, and I've always remembered that moment when Yoda says it. Well, for, I guess it's because, you know, for me, it's... I have this knowledge of everything sure. that came before and came after, you know? So it, I didn't call back to that moment. I guess I was just really sucked into, again, the facial animations in that scene. I mean, Ahsoka is more frustrated <laughs> than we've ever seen her in that moment. It's almost like super emotional to me. And I'm talking about like myself, the way I'm taking it in. 
because at least this time, more than any other time, I'm sitting there and I'm putting myself in her shoes. I'm not just watching it passively and just kind of like letting the images take over. I'm actually trying to see it from her point of view and uh, it really hit me. And I'm like, man, the hopelessness that she must have felt right then. And then you can see it in the animation. Yeah. You know, you can hear it in Ashley Eckstein's voice. It's it's just beautiful, man. It's, it's just so well done. I, I don't... I don't even know what else to say about it. Yeah, Matt Lanter and Ashley Eckstein are on fire, man, in this episode, and especially in that last scene. And yeah. so I just cut you off for you. No, <laughs> I, just cut I you was off done. I was done. Well, this might be a good time to get to a traditional thing that we do in every episode, Robbie. Our I only wish Jar Jar were here moment of the episode. What was the moment? And you wished, obviously I'm joking, I'm just trying to, this is such a tense episode and I realized that I don't think there were any laughs in this episode. And a little bit of a spoiler for the end, I'm going to have to try to decide where this, I mean, no, I'm not going to say it. Let's get to our favorite standout shot of the episode, Robbie. Okay. Our favorite standout shot of the episode. That's what we call it, right? Sure. What was your standout shot of the Jedi who knew too much? Well, for me, I mean, it's during the chase scene. It's Ahsoka's flips. Oh my gosh, they're so cool. Right. And they're just like... She's flipping through those doors, right? Those doors that are closing on her and she's... No, no. Sort of tumbling through them? When she's outside, there's a moment where she's flipping. so many flips, I can't even think of the flips that you're talking about. I know know what you're talking about now, though. There's one where she kind of flips almost like like a sideways almost spin. And then there's one where she kind of... She tumbles over... And it's just, it's beautiful with the... This is when we need the show to be a video show, Robbie, because the hand movements that you're making right now, I wish that <laughs> the troops out there could see those well, hand I, movements. I was trying to also, you know... No, I get, I get you. I'm sure they know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. I'm trying to verbalize what I'm doing here, too. Sure. But she's just... It's one of those moments where it's not just a cool-looking shot. There's just a deep appreciation for the character that Dave created. And it's like... I mean, just now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, man, if I was to be able to go back to when I met Dave. Yeah, at the convention. You know, and and even speak up more during that talk with Ashley is like, man, I missed out, man. I had I had an opportunity before the show was even big, before the show would really caught on and become what it is now. I mean, man, I would have I could have had that chance and I didn't take it. So it's it's a little it's a little sad, you know, and I didn't get the <laughs> I didn't get to hold on to that, but it's just awesome stuff, man. It's just awesome. Yeah, it's so awesome that I couldn't choose a single shot. I didn't feel like there was one shot that stood out from all the others, not because there were no great shots, just because there were like two dozen of them. <laughs> so kind of by default, as a stand-in for that entire final scene between Anakin and Ahsoka in the storm drain, I choose the very last shot of the episode of Ahsoka descending into, I guess, the Coruscant underworld. I mean, we didn't talk about how this shaft reminds me of... It's so hard to keep track, but I remember there's an episode where Plo Koon takes Ahsoka and they descend into a shaft very similar to this one, and they go into a bar and Ahsoka almost gets in a fight. Do you remember the episode, Robbie? There's so I many do. of them that I can't keep track, but that's what this reminded me of. But that's my shot of the episode because it reminds me of where Ahsoka's been before, but it also makes me think she's going somewhere she's never been before thematically and in her life, you know? Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, again, this arc is big. You know, it's a big one. We're only two episodes into it, and apparently there's two episodes to go, man. Yeah. This arc is not messing around. Yeah. And so before we bring this on for a landing, Robbie, we need to sum up and give our ratings. So after your latest watch of The Jedi Who Knew Too Much, how did you like it, and where 
does the Jedi who knew too much sit on that four-star Robbie scale? Like, uh, I mean, I pretty much gushed about this entire episode. There's uh, a couple of things that I didn't even mention. I love Tarkin grabbing Ahsoka's chin like he does Leia. Oh, so creepy. And New Hope. Yeah. There's, uh, there's just so much to love about it and so many hints sprinkled through. There's so many little things to think about when you're watching it and some sometimes they gloss over you and sometimes they don't. And then I love the way that everything is just it's so masterfully done from the animation, the voice acting. Everything is top-notch. The water effects, the fog, the way that that I mean like I said those searchlights on the front of my, you know, one of my favorite ships in Star Wars, the gunships. I just love everything about this episode. But it's not quite the best so i have to give it a 3.75 out of four i've got this at 10 padawans on the run out of 10 robbie wow and so the real question is how does it stack up next to my other two 10 out of 10s which are my number two episode massacre and my number one episode carnage of krell i have to rank the jedi who knew too much above massacre just because it's about a real shake-up for ahsoka and as much as i love ventress you know she's not ahsoka no i mean no one's ahsoka let's be honest but because Carnage of Krell affects dozens of clones, it feels far-reaching and wide-reaching. And because it has three episodes of build-up, I still have Carnage of Krell at number one. But of my three 10 out of 10s, Jedi Who Knew Too Much is my second favorite episode of The Clone Wars so far. There wasn't a single moment I felt like it put a foot wrong. The one thing that I have noticed now that I've looked at those three is that all three are fairly humorless episodes, which is not how I think of Star Wars. I mean, I've always, right. and you and I have talked about it, how the comedic elements, I mean, my favorite character of all time being Han Solo, you know, he's basically, a lot of the time, he's sort of comedic relief. There's so much comedy and fun in the way that he's always in over his head. And here, Ahsoka is in over her head, but it's not comedic, it's desperate. But I guess the reason that I've chosen these three is just for how much they affected me on a more emotional level. And I don't know, I haven't looked at that <laughs> deep into it it's one of those things that i feel like we will look back on after we finish the series and sort of work out why we feel the way we feel about certain things because we just don't have time we're going so fast through it that these moments of reflection are hard to come by and hard to really give enough time to but that's where i'm at with the jedi who knew too much it's my second favorite episode of the clone wars so far and that is mission accomplished for season five episode 18 the jedi who knew too much so robbie won't you please let the troops out there know what are our communications channels? Of course, we are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 107th episode. It was so hard for me not to just watch the next episode <laughs> straight away, Robbie. I had to fight my urge, but almost luckily I just didn't have time. So I'm amping to watch Season 5, Episode 19, To Catch a Jedi, the 107th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. And until then, this is your old buddy Boot Show alongside your trusty pal Robbie. And we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you. Soka, what are you doing? You didn't even try to come and help me. 
They wouldn't let me in to talk to you. You could have if you tried. How would that look, Ahsoka? Huh? Forcing my way in would have made you look even more guilty. <laughs> I'm not guilty! We have to prove you're innocent. The only way we can do that is by going back. I don't know who to trust. Listen, I would never let anyone hurt you, Ahsoka. Never. But you need to come back and make your case to the Council. No. I'm not going to take the fall for something I didn't do. I am ordering you to put down your lightsaber and come with me. Now! Trust me. Where are you? I do trust you. But you know as well as I do that no one else will believe me. Anakin, you have to trust me now. Ahsoka, I do trust you. I know you do. Wish me luck.